Amen. Good morning. Welcome to speech class. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to introduce you to a few people. This is Anna Claire. Can you say hey? Hey. Everybody say hey. hey. And this is Emily. Can you say hey? <laughs> and tell them how old you are. Six. Six. And how old are you? Four. Four. They're four. And these are my daughters. These only two I have. She is a princess, don't you think? And she's a bulldog, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But what we wanted to talk about, thank you guys. Here you go. You guys can have a seat right here if you want to. You want to have a seat right here? And you want to have a seat right here? You want to have a seat? Get your very own desk. My daughter asked me, she said, Daddy, I want to help you preach sometime. And I said, you mean like infusion? And she said, I mean like for the big mommies and daddies. And I said, well, Anna Claire, we're talking about words this week. And so do you think maybe I could ask you some questions? Because you're used to sitting in class because you started school when? Like what grade are you going into? First. First, that's right. And then what grade is your sister going into? Maybe in a couple of years, right? Kindergarten in a couple of years. So um, let me ask you some, some questions because we're in speech class. Is that okay? So this is just like school. So let me ask you, um, why do you, um, what do you think about words? Do you think they're important? Yes. Yes? Why? Because. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they hurt people and help people? Um, yeah. You think they can do both? Do you think you should use good words or bad words? Good. Really? Hey, Emily, do you think you should use good words or bad words? Good. You just never know what she's going to say. I'm just letting you know right now. She might totally believe bad, and we're just going to pray right here in a second. Why do you think you should use good words? Because it's good. Because it's good. It makes sense, right? So um, what do good words do, Anna Claire? They don't hurt people's feelings if you use them right. Right? They don't hurt people's feelings. What do bad words do? If you use bad words, if you use words that, that are kind of negative and aren't good, what do they do? They hurt people's feelings. Right. They hurt people's feelings. What, what kind of words do you use? Um, good. Sometimes bad? Yeah. Yeah, but we work on that, right? Don't we work on that, everybody? We work on that. We don't want to use bad words, right? Uh, anyone ever use bad words to you? Uh-huh. Does Christy Smith ever use bad words towards you? No. No? Okay, just checking. Just checking. <laughs> just never know about your friends, you know? Hey, what, what do you feel like if you're on the playground? Has anybody ever out on the playground? Because the playground can be a mean place, right, everybody? It can be kind of mean. Has anybody ever used bad words that you've heard out on the playground, like just kind of be mean mm -hmm. to somebody? Yeah. How does that make you feel or whoever they're talking to feel? Um, sad. Makes you feel sad? Makes you feel sad. What well, we're working on words in our house. And so when Pastor Mike was out of town and he said, um, I want you to preach, I said, I want to go to speech class and I want to talk about words. And so what I want to do, I want to pray over you. And then after I pray, you can, um, you can leave and then help all the other kids know about good words. Okay? Is that okay with you? Sure. Sure. And then can you say goodbye to everybody? Bye. Bye. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for these um, daughters of mine, God, I'm so thankful for them. And I'm thankful, Lord, that they ask if they can help uh, teach and if they can help preach and if they can help tell people about your word. And, Lord, I'm so thankful for this morning, just a teachable moment for my daughters to help um, explain some things to adults that sometimes it gets foggy for us, sometimes it gets difficult to understand. But, Lord, I just pray that you would help um, all the children in this church, all the adults in this church to understand more about our words today. In your son's name we pray. And everybody said...
Amen. Can you guys give him a big hand for helping? Here you go. You ready? Here you go. And you can take this mic. You can give it to mommy. Here you go, my friend. There you go. And then grab your crazy sister because she's going to need some help too. Hey, will you go with your sister? And there's mommy right there. You see her? The pretty one right there. That's right. Um, how are you guys doing? I love trying to give my daughters teachable moments when they say, I want to help you preach. I say, yes, ma'am. We will work on this thing together because it's just so important to learn about words. And so this morning when, when we say we're going to speech class, I want you to turn to James chapter 3 because we're going to go there in a minute. But before we do, I want to read some, some beautiful scripture to you in Proverbs because you may have never looked at it like this, but words, words are incredibly important. In speech class, you, you ever given a speech in speech class and, and as you're, you know, communicating, you're stringing together paragraphs, you're stringing together sentences, you're stringing together phrases, and finally you're stringing together words. And I'm telling you, words are important for a lot of reasons. And so when you turn to James chapter 3, I want to tell you about a word that, that I'm trying to pray through in my own life, and it's this word called pursuit. I don't know about you guys, but this is what I need every day of my life, truly. I need wisdom from the Lord every day of my life. And if you can begin to grasp God's wisdom in this particular area that we're going to talk about today, if you can do that, it can have a huge, huge impact on the way your family functions, has a huge impact on the way you work, on the quality of friendships you have. If you can get this thing wrapped up and allow the Lord to work in your life here, you're going to conquer a lot more than you think. And so I was thinking this week of, of how many reasons, um, all, all the jobs that you have to have a license I mean, you got to have a license for a lot of stuff. you got to have a license to drive, of course, right, which is a good idea. you got to have a license to carry a gun, which I think is a beautiful idea. you got to have a license to practice medicine, which I am really thankful for. Makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, you have to have a license to breed dogs. You have to have a license. You don't have to have a license to breed cats. Do you know why? Because nobody cares about cats. Nobody. Nobody. Who likes cats? Nobody. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you have to have a license to sell real estate, right? I mean, a license for so much stuff. Why do you have to have a license for all these things? Why in the world? Because each of these things have the possibility to bring damage into somebody's life. And there has to be a way, and the world realizes this, there has to be a way to regulate it. So having to have a license to do stuff is basically to protect people in our country. That's why we have licenses to do things. And so today I want to talk to you about something that's actually more important than having a license for a car. It's actually more important than, than, than it's, it's even more deadly than a gun. It's more important than anything else. And every single human being is issued one, and it's called a mouth. We've all got this thing called a mouth. And I want to talk to you in Proverbs 18:21. So you stay in James 3, and we're going to read just a bit of Proverbs here and there. And if you want to turn there, you can. But if not, I just want to speak this into you. Proverbs 18:21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. That's what the tongue has. And those who love it will eat its fruit. This says that the words that come out of your mouth carry the power of life or they carry the power of death. And it made me think how awesome it would be if everyone, including me, if it required, uh, we, we had to pass certain tests. We had to have a license for our mouths where every few months we would have to go back and renew it to see if we would be able to speak or not. Because the truth is, a lot of us in this room would fail. We would not be able to speak. And everybody around you would be like, amen. But in that, it's like, I know. I know my heart. And I know. I know the way it goes. And, and it's true that our words have the power to give life. Or they have the power to give death. And this is the truth. This is the truth. Your words have power. Your words have power. Your self-esteem your self-esteem that you have currently has been shaped by the words that people have used with you. Whether you want to admit that or not, for many of you, you do what you do for a living. 
I mean, every day, this is what you do because somebody over the course of your life said, you should do this. Like, you should give your life to this. It's so obvious that God has this in your life. And, and, and if he does it, then, then you do this for the rest of your life. And, and that's why you're doing it. Some of you have, have been in marriages or you're currently in a marriage where your spouse's words have so cut you. They have so cut you. Because the bottom line is this, is that we are incredibly sensitive to the words that are being given to us. We're incredibly sensitive to the words that are being pointed towards us, the words that aren't given to us, the words that are given to us. But most people in this room, most people in our church, most people in any church and in this world are pretty careless about what comes out of our mouths. Very sensitive to what comes at us, but very careless about what comes out of our mouths. And we need some godly wisdom from the Holy Spirit today to change that in us, to change it in me and change it in you. Proverbs isn't the only place that talks about this. Um, it's all over the Bible. And we're going to look at different passages, but especially in the chapter that we're going to, James chapter 3, because James paints this incredible picture about the importance of words. And so I just want to break down some verses for you. And if you'll look at your Bible with me, if you don't have a Bible, then follow along on the screen. But we'll kind of dissect this thing together. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, if he's not at fault, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. It says if you have the right words, you're able to keep your whole body in check. Everybody stumbles. Everybody messes up. Everybody has sin in these areas. And I wish, he says, I, I wish I would have said that. I wish that, that I wouldn't have said that. All this, if you can keep it in check, then you're looking at a perfect man. You're looking at somebody who has it together. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I love word pictures like this. Proverbs is, is full of this, just word pictures like this. And James brings in several word pictures where you have one pound worth of equipment in the mouth of a 1,000-pound animal. And as long as you have control of that thing's mouth, you can control the direction of the entire animal. I mean, it's powerful, isn't it? That's pretty powerful. Look, he keeps going in verse 4. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So this is, this, is, this is great. This is big. Again, small parts, a small thing like a mouth, but big influence. A small thing like a rudder can turn an entire ship. A small thing like a bit in a horse's mouth can turn the whole horse. Here we go. Look at verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. Listen to that warning. Like, listen to this, especially for the men in here. I want you to hang with me. And I, I, I'm, I'm just as convicted about this in myself, but listen to me. Many times, us men will say something to our family, to our children, to our wives. And to us, it, it, it's just not a big deal. To us, everybody else around us is overreacting. Everybody's like, they, they took our words too literally. They took our words to mean too much. But it's because our words matter, men. They do. Husbands, your words matter. Whatever you say or don't say, they matter. They're powerful and they have deep influence and they have the ability to cause deep pain. If you don't think that's true, I get to minister with teenagers all the time. And with a junior high girl, if another junior high boy during, during class, looks at a junior high girl and says, you are ugly. Nobody's ever going to believe in you. First of all, that makes every dad in here rise up and go, mm-mm. You know, it makes every dad in here do that with a junior high girl. But the second thing, if a father comes to his junior high daughter and says, you are ugly, nobody is ever going to believe in you. It is way different. Isn't that different? 
One is a junior high boy who doesn't have wisdom. He's a kid. He doesn't know. But the other is her father. The other is, is somebody of influence is speaking into his daughter's life. Understand this, that, that most of us underestimate the power of our words coming out of our mouths. Most of us underestimate it so much. And, and there's something that James talks about in principle that I want to talk about in here, but, but it wasn't in his day. It, he, he had no idea, but it's how our culture has created other avenues of our words getting out, not to just the people that we know and love most, but to the masses. Our words can now get out to the masses. We have email where you can type words in front of a computer screen and send it out to, to tons of people. You have Facebook and Twitter and texting where you can put your words in front of hundreds and some even, even thousands of people every single day and I'm in each of these areas, you think, wow, this is different than James's day. But you've got to understand the power, listen, listen, the power of your words are strong. The power of the words that you use, you must understand. And this is serious and you're going to think I'm being mean a little bit, but listen, I've just got to be real with you. This is it. There are people in this church, and I hate this, there are people in our church that when your status pops up on Facebook, when, when you send out emails, when, when I see that, I think, are you serious right now? Like with what you would put for everybody in the world to see, what you think best to put as your status, what you think best to put out there for people, that our pride and our arrogance leaps out of us before we ever reel it in and we wind up in hundreds of people's faces with our words that aren't well thought out, that aren't wise, that aren't godly, they're not trying to help people. They're not trying to, to, to influence people in a good way. It's a testimony to our self-centeredness and our mean hearts. And I hate it that that comes out of our church. And in any church I know, in any believer, I get that. But in our church, when I see it, and, and sadly, I'm not even primarily talking about our teenagers. I'm not thinking teenagers right now. I'm thinking adults. And my question is, why do we do that? Why do we do that? And this is why, for any of us, for me included, because it's a lot easier to say the words you want about people to a computer screen instead of to their faces. It's a lot easier to type something in real fast in a text than to, than to influence them in that way face to face. It's unbelievable how brave we are behind a phone or behind a computer screen, but it's still the same thing, it's still our words. It's still our heart, it's still our influence, it's that. And even though James had no way of addressing that in his day, he does address it, address it with principles because the truth is that all of us in our current culture is exactly what James is talking about when he talks about the importance of words and the need to control your tongue. The need to control what you say. And so let me start here today. You only have so much time in a day. You just have so much time in a day. You have a limited number of words that you can use in a day. So let me challenge you to pick those words and thoughts carefully. Pick the words that you say and speak and type and write carefully. Because every one of us has a choice today. And here's our choice. Will you use the words that you have, the limited number of words, will you use those to build people up, to influence people if you've got to get on them and to, to, to influence them? In a, in a godly way, or are you going to use it to tear people down? Are you going to use it to just strip people of their power to bring peace to situations or to cause dissension? And honestly, there's no middle ground. Honestly, there's no middle ground. Your words are either a beacon of hope and peace and godliness to people, or you're a painful contradiction of who Christ has called you to be. It's one or the other. It's not middle ground there. It's one or the other. And so will you be people who build everybody else up or will we be people who cause dissension? Because the gossip, 
I love you. Listen, I love you. But listen, the gossip and the snarky jokes, the sloppy facts in life, they hurt people. And they don't belong in Christians. They don't belong in us. They hurt people. And you've got to make a decision to devote your words, every word that you can, to restoring hope in people rather than building yourself up or tearing other people down. That's who we need to be. That's who we are. So James is screaming at us, be aware of your words. Pay attention to your words. Be aware of your words, your words, your words. They carry incredible impact. They matter in the kingdom of God. They will impact. So you better pay attention to what you're saying. They're going to impact. They will, good or bad. Keep looking at verse 6. We're going to read verses 6 through 8. Look, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. And it continues. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed. Everybody say tamed. Tamed. And have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. How incredible is that? Think about that. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's strong language, church. That's really, really strong. He's saying it's possible to train an animal. You have dogs, I pick on cats, you know, I get that, but, but it's all that, it's like, it's possible for you to train your dog, train your cat, and say, you know, I'm going to train my puppy to roll over, I'm going to train my puppy to fetch, I'm going to train my puppy, and for the next 20 years, anytime you want, you can give that little guy a treat and say a certain phrase, and he'll do it, because you trained him to do it. But James says, the tongue is not like that, because the tongue in this moment, today, in this service, you can make a decision today. I'm going to begin using my words to restore people, not to tear them down. I'm going to begin to use my words not to gossip anymore, but to pour good things into people. And you can make that commitment today and walk out of this church in five minutes later, right? We do this. We know this. Five minutes later, you can mess all that up, can't you? Because we've all been there. We've all done that. And he says, no, no, no. You can tame animals. You can tame certain things in your life, but you cannot tame the tongue. And so James is saying, your words, your tongue has a lot of power in life, has a lot of influence, more than you've ever given it credit. You can't tame it like you can some animals. So it always needs to be on the front burner of your life. It's never like, I'll think about that later. It's always on the front burner. What will I say? How will I react? What will that be? Look at Proverbs 11, verse 12. It says, a man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor. Derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his tongue. So let me say this. I struggle with everything I'm talking about today. Just like anybody else in here, there is no sin concerning words that I haven't committed as well and lately. I mean, I struggle with all these sins just like anybody else, but if I had a dollar... For every time somebody came to me, not looking at me as a pastor, but just looking at me as Tommy, for for every time they came to me and said, listen, Tommy, I know I'm not supposed to tell you this, but let me tell you about this person or this situation. And then they tag this little line to it where they say, we really need to pray for them. And I think you are gossiping and you're, you're shrouding it in prayer. If I had a dollar for every time that happened, I would be a rich man, and so would you. You would be rich in that. How dare we, listen, how dare we cloak prayer in our agenda of self-seeking gossip? How dare we do that? 
We, we, we say it's going to be about prayer, but that's really just the shroud over it. We really just want to have our self-seeking gossip. How dare we say, well, it's, it's our family, Tommy. It's, it's my friends. We have to vent to somebody, don't we? I have to go home after church and talk about whatever I want to talk about, whoever I want to talk about. No, you don't. No, you don't. I don't want my girls to hear me berate anybody. I don't want my girls to hear that in me. They're learning from me. They're trying to help teach other people the same thing we're trying to teach them. And in that, they're going to learn it. They're going to sit at the dinner table. They're going to be in the other room. And when you're bashing your husband to your friends in front of them, they're learning it. When you're bashing the people around you that you just smiled to and they left your dinner table, now you're bashing them. They learn it when you leave this church and go home and bash this church to your family or your friends. They learn it. And you're shrouding it in prayer or you're shrouding it in I have to have comfortable people to vent to. But the truth is that's not right. It's not right. It's not, it's not who we're to be. And what's so sad is that the church is famous for this. The worldwide church is famous for it. People that don't believe in God, people outside the church, laugh at the lingo that we use to mask our sin of gossip. They laugh at that. And what makes it feel okay is that sometimes everything we may say may be completely factually accurate, but it's shared to the wrong person. Listen, the wrong person at the wrong time, in the wrong way, with the wrong spirit. And because of that, it makes it wrong and it hurts people. It splinters families and you know it. It splits churches and some of you have experienced it. It shatters lives and some of you are living there. Your words matter all the time, always. Your words matter. Jesus hits on this in Matthew 12, verse 34, and Jesus really confronts this big. He says, you brood of vipers. Wow. How can you who are evil say anything good? And here it is. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus takes this to a whole nother level. He says, at the end of the day, you really don't have a mouth problem. At the end of the day, you really have a heart problem. Have you ever said something to somebody and you immediately regretted saying it? And then you said, I have no idea where that came from. I have no idea where that came from. Jesus says in this passage, I do. Because what comes out of your mouth is what's really going on in your heart. So I know exactly where it's coming from. What's in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. And some of you may say, I'll just duct tape my mouth. I can't say anything good. I just, I know me, she knows me, she's nodding at this because it's me. I'm just gonna duct tape my mouth. I'm just, I'm just not gonna talk. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just not gonna talk. And that, that's not really the point. <laughs> you know, that's not really where it is. That may not be a bad idea for some, for a little bit, but God's goal is so much bigger than duct taping our mouths like that. God's goal is so much bigger than that. He doesn't want you to just avoid sin, right? Don't just avoid sin. His goal isn't for us to just avoid sin. That was the problem with the Pharisees. For today, that's, that's legalism in us that comes out when we're like, I just need to avoid sin, avoid sin, avoid sin. Because the problem is this, it doesn't bring you back to the heart of God. Of just avoiding it, just duct tape, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna say, just, just doesn't bring you back to the heart of God. He wants, God wants an explosion of goodness out of you, joy out of you, love out of you. So if you say, I'm just not gonna talk again, it's devastating because you can no longer express life with your words. You can no longer express counsel with your words. You can no longer deliver wisdom with your words. The goal is so much larger than just playing defense because as devastating as your words can be, they have the potential to be just as life-giving. Amen to that? Your words have potential to be life-giving. And I want to talk about it. Look at Proverbs 25, 11. It says, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Think about that. 
Think about that, that the right word at the right time in the right way to the right person in the right spirit is as valuable as gold and silver. That's what he's saying. That there's this element of power in our words, not just for bad, but for good that God has designed your heart in such a way that when it's godly and when you're thinking on him and when you're pure and and all of that's going on inside of you that's good and you're not perfect, but you're trying and you're seeking God and you're trying to worship him better and stronger and and more purely. And in that moment, it says, that's going to influence your words in the most beautiful way. When, when it's like you're not perfect, but you're seeking him more than you're seeking yourself. When that happens, it says your words are going to reflect it. Your words are going to show it. And in that words are going to shape your soul. And it says it's better than gold and it's better than silver. That's the way he designed us. That's the way he's designed us to be, that our words will destroy or they will build up. They're not neutral. Every word that comes out of our mouths, it's either going to hurt somebody or it's going to build somebody up. And sometimes building up may hurt. Sometimes you may have to get on to somebody, get on to your kids, and it may hurt. But in the spirit and in the right way and pray through and, and trying to figure that out, it, it does good. And so in that, look at this. Look at Proverbs fifteen four. It says, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Again, your words carry tremendous power. Your words have power. Now, here's, here's why this is important, and this is why this is huge. Listen. Every single person you come in contact with, every day, today, every day, your roommate, the person that's sitting on your row right now, the random grocery store clerk, the the random checkout lady, all that stuff, every single person, regardless of how well put together they might appear, here it is, they all need healing. They all need healing. Everybody needs healing in their lives, and God has designed this, and I love this. God has designed your words in such a way to be healing ointment for everyone around you. They have the power to build up, they have the power to tear down. And he says, I designed your words to heal people, to be like healing ointment on people. Ephesians 4, 29, which is a very familiar verse for all of you. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And so this is just so convicting, right? I mean, this this verse is so convicting because the key part there is according to their needs. According to their needs, which means there's an element. There's an element of awareness to the needs of people around you, right? There's an element where you have to be aware, which means you've got to be present, which is a big problem in our culture today. Because for me to, to understand their needs, I've got to be aware. For me to be aware, I've got to be present. For me to be present, that's a problem. This means that when you're in line at the grocery store, it means that you're present and aware of the people's needs around you. You're not like off. You're not doing your own thing always, but you're paying attention to them. You're actually looking at them. They're people. You're looking at them. It means that when you're at the dinner table with your family tonight, your mind isn't off in a million directions, but that you're actually present. Your body's present, but that your mind and your heart, you're actually present. They're both there. When you and your buddies are hanging out, you're just working out in the gym or you're just, you're just hanging out with each other, it, it means that, that you're there in the moment and that you're aware of what's going on inside of them because you're really present with your friends. You're really present there. And when you're aware of their needs, you have this level of attentiveness that will allow your words to mean something to them in a life-changing way. When you're aware and when you're present and when you're really there, you say, my words can influence in a life-changing way because I'm looking for needs. I'm looking. I'm aware. I see it in your face. You're discouraged. You don't have to say a word. I see it all over your, your body language. I understand what's going on. And my words can mean something to you instead of being self-seeking. 
but you can't give anybody in this room, anybody in your family, anybody random out there, you can't give them words like that unless you're aware and unless you mentally are spiritually present. Does this make sense? And so in this, the natural two questions that comes out of that verse in Ephesians 4.29, the natural two questions for us this morning is, who has God placed in my life? I mean, who has who God placed in my life just around me? Who do I hang out with? Who am I with? Who am I married to? Who are my kids? Where am I going today? Who has God placed in my life? And number two, what do they need to hear me say? What are their needs? Remember, based on their needs, what do they need to hear me say? What do your husbands need to hear you say? What's your daughter need to hear you say? What does your best friend need to hear? Speak words of power and set out to build them up in a sincere, powerful way. Look into the eyes of people and speak words of truth. And again, that may not always be fun. I have to speak words of truth into people. Sometimes it's not fun. And sometimes people have to speak words of truth into me, and it's not fun, but it's to build me up. And it's to make me stronger. It's to get me back on focus. Sometimes it's not fun, but what it is always is right. It's always right. And it's always just speaking words where you say, I'm going to speak words of joy into people. I'm going to pour into people instead of having them pour into me. I'm going to speak words of comfort into people. I'm going to care about everyone that's around me. For us to live life like that, and they, they may be words of apology or forgiveness for some of you today. You, you may say, the people that God's placed in my life and what they need to hear me say, honestly, I don't want to admit it, Tommy, but they need to hear words of forgiveness. I need to finally say when they continue to come back and come back and come back and come back and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They need to finally hear from me instead of pride and arrogance coming out of my life. They need to hear, it's okay, I forgive you, you know? Some of you, that might, might be years of a problem in your life where you say, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not. Those are the words. I forgive you. For some of you, it may be an apology where you say, I'm so caught up in myself, Tommy, that I don't apologize ever, ever. And it's the pride in me. I don't want to admit that. I don't want to admit when I'm wrong. I don't want to admit when I've got sin like this in my life, when I sin with my words over and over and over. I'm, I'm hoping everybody's thinking about everybody else and they're not thinking about me. But the truth is I need to apologize to some people for my gossip. I need to apologize to some people for my harsh words behind their back, to their face, whatever. I need to apologize. For some of you, you, you may say, I need to, to speak prayer over somebody. I need to pray over them because I've been saying, man, I know she's struggling. I know he's struggling. I just, I, I need to pray for them, but I, I, I just have it. And I want to pray for them. And so today in a minute, it may be, I'm going to go pray for them right here in the service. I don't want to wait. I don't want to go home and do something else. I, I want to pray over them. And so some of you, you might have daughters that are desperately in need to hear you just say, you are beautiful. You are, you're beautiful and I love you. You mean the world to me. They may be desperate to hear that. Their spirit may be so dry, just bone dry, where they haven't felt love like that from you. They haven't heard I love you. Your spouse hasn't heard I love you. And so in this moment, it's like, I don't want to just be convicted, Lord. I want to fix this. I want to make this right. I want to have action steps behind it. And I want my words that are already powerful. I want them to carry the right power. I want them to have the right influence. We counsel people all the time at the church who struggle in life and who hurt themselves because they've never heard a loving word given to them from their parents. And not just like teenagers, but college students and adults that say, I'm not making excuses, but I just, I think I don't give that because I'm not used to that. I never received that. And your words are just so powerful. All of our words, but your words are so powerful and they will influence those around you. And people need your words to point them to thoughts like, I believe in you. To thoughts like, listen, uh, not because of your accomplishments that I believe in you, but because of just who you are, I believe in you. 
managers and leaders in here who you've got teams of people that work under you. You've got, you've got a staff of people for you to just go to them today, tomorrow, whatever, send an email, send a text, send whatever today and say, listen, I'm just so glad you're part of this team. I really am. I'm just so glad that I get to be a leader in your life and we get to be friends. I'm so proud of you. Who needs to hear that from you? Who needs to hear words like that? Who are the people in your life that desperately need to hear from you? And I know this is a tough message. I know this is problematic for some of us. I know, especially if you didn't grow up sharing uplifting words or being shared uplifting words with others. And this is hard for you. I know it. I really know it. But I get that. But let me give you bottom line truth. And this is how I've got to wrap this up. This bottom line truth in love. Your choice of comfort to not use your words in a godly way. Your choice of comfort that I... I'm not used to it. I wasn't raised that way. So I'm just going to be comfortable and just do what my mom and dad did. I'm just not going to share my words in a godly way. I'm just going to be whatever, like everybody else. Your words to be comfortable is a tragic choice. It's not a small choice. Your words are powerful. It steers your whole being. It says it's a tragic choice. And since you didn't grow up hearing that, my challenge to you is don't pass that on to the next generation. Today, choose to break your comfort for what's right. To break your comfort for what's godly and what's going to build you up and what's going to build others up. Who are the people in your life that need your words of wisdom, of love, of truth? Who needs that? Some of you, when you get in the car, here in a little bit, when you get in the car and you go home, you need to have a conversation in that car with your family, with your spouse, with your friend, whatever. You need to have that. Some of you need to leave this place and make a phone call. Some of you need to respond in a moment when we have invitation. Just, Lord, I I want to yearn for my words to mean something. And I'm going to fall on my face. I don't care what people think of me. I'm going to go to my friend and apologize. Dude, I am so, so sorry. You don't even know. But I've had this in my heart. I never spoke it to anybody, but I've had it in my heart. And and I'm sorry for that because it was about to come out of my mouth. And I don't want it to. The Lord demands a response. It's not a passive thing. This is not a passive moment. And it's throughout the entire Bible. There's a whole lot of wisdom. This is the point. There's a whole lot of wisdom in beginning to understand the kind of power that your words will have every single day. Can you stand with me and let me pray over you? Lord, I pray. Lord, I pray for me right now, God, because I know sometimes, Lord, I I am prideful and I am arrogant.